Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 275th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the MSP studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. Uh, I'd like to take this uh, opportunity to shout out some of our uh, YouTube commenters who were really holding you in check last week. Uh, I, I was going to get to that. Uh, um, man, uh, yeah, let's just take care of that it. Off just, the top. Yeah, let's just get this out of the way, man. You can't just say anything on no. this podcast like no. you've been doing. So I'm glad someone's keep keeping you accountable. Yeah. Um, what? I now I can't remember them. Uh, the offensive lineman transfer from Oklahoma State, Texas A&M. He did play at Texas A&M. I just couldn't find the, the stats for it. Played the whole season. Excellent player. Absolutely, Mizzou would take him. We want him. Yes. Uh, You said some kind of bowl game wrong. Uh, Oregon (laughs) does not play SMU in the bowl game. They play Liberty. Thank you for telling me. 23rd ranked Liberty. Thank you. And that's that's a weird one because I even looked at the tickets. Remember, I was comparing the ticket prices between that, the Fiesta Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. (laughs) Which didn't occur to you. Yeah. No, like SMU and Liberty, how different can they be, though, really? They're the same thing. Yeah. They're uh, gonna lose is what but Liberty do. is thirteen and zero, I think. So, yeah, I don't even know if they're in the same conference as SMU and Tulane. I just knew Tulane was gonna be in that spot. They lost. Some team that's gonna lose is gonna play in that game. Yeah, I think Tulane would have won, but they're not in it. <laughs> we'll never know. Um, Kyle, I actually after the we're gonna talk about Mizzou Kansas in a minute, but after the Mizzou Kansas game, I watched NBA. Oh, really? Yeah. I watched Pacers-Lakers play. I'm a Pacers fan, if anybody doesn't know. I watched them play in the NBA in-season tournament championship. Primetime slot for the Pacers. Don't get that every day. Playing against LeBron. And as a Pacers fan, I've watched LeBron James eliminate the Pacers from the playoffs maybe six times in his career. He did it with the Cavs. He did it with the Heat. He did it with the Cavs again. And now he's with the Lakers, so you think, oh, the only time you're going to play them is in the NBA Finals. Nope, we play them in the championship of the in-season tournament, and LeBron James beats my Pacers again. Well, Cameron, we talked quite a bit already about things you didn't know anything about, but now we're going to talk about the NBA, which is something I know nothing about. Tell me about the in-season tournament. What what are we doing here, and what is what benefit do we get out of this? Okay, so yeah, it's actually pretty cool. I, I can sell you on it, I think, uh, in theory anyway. So... The NBA season is long and too long. NBA teams are resting guys. You know, that's been a little bit of a controversy. Load management. Exactly. So they came up with this idea, and I think it's something that some soccer leagues do where there's a little tournament in the middle of the season. And um, just watching it, it felt like the players were bought in and it's single elimination, like they did pool play to make it to the single elimination knockout round. And um, so they played three, the Pacers got to play three games in prime time in like a 10 day span, which is pretty cool. And their star player, Tyrese Halliburton, kind of blowing up and making a name for himself and kind of putting the Pacers on the map a little bit. And one thing I liked about it is it kind of gave you a little preview of playoff basketball. So teams were really into it, trying really hard. The players get a $500,000 bonus if on the championship team. Okay. And 
the championship was in Las Vegas. I it took me a while to get over the crazy colored courts. I saw that. Yeah, that was an adjustment, but I was busy. trying to just go for it. Just just not think about it. And uh the championship game in Las Vegas, they had like the arena lights down low, so it was really like a spotlight effect on the court. It was pretty cool. But um one thing it allowed the Pacers to do is it kind of let them see, oh, we got a young team, but they're playing well, and this is the type of team that maybe we need to now, as we approach the trade deadline, go out and maybe add a piece because we like what we have here. We got to see them in crunch time in winner go home games where everybody was trying their hardest. So, you know, it's a it, you kind of gauge where you're at compared to the rest of your conference. I thought that was pretty cool. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah, they needed to increase the like the incentive or yeah. something like in, in in those nba games it's just like nobody wanted to play yeah. in these games and it's really obvious yeah and uh then yeah it's like for casual nba fans like well i guess i'll tune back in for the playoffs but yeah you know that's the pacers NBA I haven't watch. always been in the playoffs so yeah. you remember um, when missouri played in the battle for atlantis mm-hmm. i don't know maybe 10 years ago <laughs> And it's like they were playing in like a dark conference room or yes. something. It yeah. kinda, almost kind of gives me those vibes a little bit. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, it was like that. Uh, but another thing I kind of liked is like it kind of gave me a glimpse of, I mean, if you watch the NBA, you're going to see what college basketball is going to look like to some extent five years from now. And I feel like watching the NBA, it kind of made some of what we actually see Missouri do make a little bit more sense. Like. Dennis Gates and the coaching staff are trying to play a pro style of basketball in at Mizzou. So it's kind of cool to see how these pros just execute so well. And Anthony Davis is on the Lakers, and they were LeBron, Anthony Davis, pick and roll, two-man game, just destroyed the Pacers. That? Yeah, it was... Anthony Davis had like 40 points and 20 rebounds. Ugh. That'll get it done. Anyway... Yeah, maybe check out it. You know, uh, maybe I will. Tune in sometimes. I just don't good. have a dog in the fight. That's the problem. That's true. You'll come watch the Pacers. I'll root for the Pacers. There you go. Um, Buddy Heald, you've heard of him. I've watched him play in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Oscar Shibway is on the Pacers. Doesn't play, though. He's like... Uh, Can't shoot. Yeah. Rebound machine, though. Anyway, that's enough NBA talk. Uh, what all do we have to talk about this week? We're going to talk recruiting, big splash for Mizzou basketball in the recruiting scene, and we'll recap the games, talk about Transfer Portal. Before we do all of that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review wherever you listen to us, and of course, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. And Kyle, I figured we would just start with the big news before we get into the games, Uh, Missouri lands a commitment from a top 20 player in the basketball class of 2025 point guard aaron rowe from columbia missouri plays at tolton catholic and yeah like by some recruiting metrics he's a five-star player he's like kind of right on the line between four-star and five-star anytime that happens of course he's five-star player as long as he goes to mizzou Mm -hmm. uh But Dennis Gates just uh, locking up a commitment from basically a potential cornerstone building block for the future of this program. 
Yeah, uh, we're almost. I almost feel like we're just getting used to landing these like program changing players, like multiple players like that in a single class. And yeah. I need to just like step back and realize how great this is. But um, yeah, I mean, we've been we've we've had our eye on Aaron Rowe for a few years already. I feel like when he was in eighth or eighth or ninth grade, we were already like looking towards the future thinking oh man there's a, literally this kid playing in columbia yeah and he's shooting baskets at mizzou arena yeah uh in his spare time and even when Conzo martin was the coach i'm like i'm already thinking oh man we got to have this kid someday and it's gonna yeah. be a long time from now but so you know we've, we've been watching for a long time he's super super talented uh he played one season at link academy in branson so we watched him at the tournament of champions yep. um last year and but. he was kind of covered up at the point guard spot by uh, i can't remember his name but a kid that a uh, five-star kid that went to north carolina that yeah. was a great ahead of him yeah he's only a sophomore too yeah. so um and so right now he still has two full seasons of high school basketball left to play uh but he is back at tolton now and i imagine playing time will not be an issue now yeah exactly and i was thinking about i don't know like i don't know the ins and outs of all of that and how he and his family decided when to go to Link and when to go back to Tolton. But the way it kind of played out from a Mizzou fan perspective is like Dennis Gates and company knew they wanted him, obviously, felt good about it. And then when he transfers back to Tolton, it's like, okay, I was feeling good. I felt like that was a good sign for I Mizzou. I felt like it was over at that point. And then there were some rumors and rumblings, and then all of a sudden he's going to be committing soon. It was like, okay, this well, he, is... He visited last weekend, That's too, right. on, on his official visit, which he's been... He's literally lived on Missouri's campus, basically. Yeah. And he took an official visit, which yeah. I think they only get so many of. Right. So, yeah, it felt, felt pretty good. Yeah. And then he announces a commitment date, and the officially he was deciding between Mizzou, Tennessee, and Kansas State, and picked the Tigers. And I can't help but wonder if this is obviously purely speculation, but the decision to go from Link back to Tolton, at least if I'm Coach Dennis Gates, I'm thinking we've uh, here at Mizzou, we've seen all we need to see from Aaron Rowe to know that we want him. And it would not be beneficial to us if he's playing on this high school all-star team basically that travels all around the country and, and gets eyes on him every day. Obviously, I don't think Aaron Rose exposure nationally, that's not going to be a problem. He's already, you know, five-star player. But if I'm Coach Gates, I am totally happy with him just coming back home to class three Tolton and play a little class three ball. Yeah. Let's uh you know, go ahead and shut down that recruitment yeah, and I mean, get this locked up. The entire point of playing on a prep school team like that is to, for, you know, being seen by college coaches and to play against some of the better players in the country. And he's done that and he's shown what he can do. And yeah, I think you, you mentioned that they've, they've seen what they want to see and they know they want him. And I think it was a, a best of both worlds thing. So what, what are they looking at when they watch him play? I mean, he's six foot and couple places have him listed 6'1", 150 to 165 is what I've seen his weight as. And uh, so I think if he was more, if he, if he's like, you know, 6'3", 190, he's like top five player in the country. So the only thing holding him back on the recruiting metrics, I think, is just his measurables. But he's got long arms. 
uh, super athletic, super quick feet, uh, just blow by guys in an instant and has a smooth jumper, uh, repeatable motion. He drives to the lane, but then when he drives right, he pulls up, nails mid-range jumpers all day. Um, he does get a, bullied around a little bit because of his size defensively, but he's quick enough to stay in front of anybody. And uh, it's when you're talking about high school recruits and guys, every once in a while you see a guy who is like maybe even a five-star player, borderline five or four-star player, but for whatever reason, they don't look like a guy that's going to be one and done or even play two seasons and go pro. And usually it's measurables. Uh, the most obvious example that jumps to mind is EJ Liddell. When Conzo was recruiting him, it was like, he's just undersized enough at the four spot to not be a one and done player, but as a guy who could play three or four years in college and just be incredibly productive. And to find a guy like that, now, obviously I could eat my words here and maybe he yeah we're talking about potentially five years from now whenever he's making these decisions maybe he blows up after a freshman season where he's you know uh incredible like all sec player and goes pro that would be obviously fantastic but just as it is right now he feels like the type of guy who because the measurables aren't quite there could really stick around for a while and be impactful for several seasons yeah that's exactly what i was going to say um Definitely seems like a guy that, that could play three, four years and just be a really, really good college player. And, you know, one thing, you know, Dennis Gates has obviously done a lot of things really, really well um, since he's gotten to Mizzou. But I just love how he just seems really guard oriented and always has like two elite ball handlers on the floor pretty much at all times. Mm-hmm. And we've seen, you know, what that's done for lowering turnovers and just, um, I don't know, enhancing like every possession and for perimeter defense and stuff like that. But I think, man, we so we've seen what happens when there's good guard play, there's reliable ball handling going on. And just to have a floor general who you can count on for three to four years, just running the offense and being able to score too. He's definitely yeah. a legitimate scoring threat. Yeah. That's just going to be such an, a luxury. Yeah. And with Link and um, in AAU ball with Mocan, he is has often been playing alongside another point guard, sometimes three, and actually played alongside T.O. Barrett, who was a Missouri commit uh, for the cycle before him. I just think it's such a perfect fit. I'm just Dennis Gates, C.Y. Young, just over and over again, knocking it out of the park and doing things with Mizzou basketball recruiting. I mean, you have to go back to like, Quinn Snyder, the last time we were getting this caliber of player consistently, this consistently, that's mm, that's pretty special. That's that's those are times we can barely even remember. <laughs> yeah, it feels like football and basketball are both in a place where it's like uh, best recruiting we've ever seen, maybe yeah. at the same time. So. Yeah, it's it, it, like it's very hard to compare now with rivals in 24-7 and all these companies compared to, you know, like the 80s and 90s when yeah. you had basically the McDonald's All-American game. Yeah. And that was about it. You know, all-state teams, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, huge get for Mizzou on the basketball side of things. Uh, we can stick with basketball a little bit. 
Missouri lost to Kansas. We all know it. We all saw it. I don't know if I have too many takeaways from it other than I thought Missouri played better than I expected. Yeah. Was that Missouri showing up and competing or was that an off day for Kansas if maybe you felt a little bit of both? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely don't think this Kansas team is as good as the other two teams that we've seen Missouri play against the last two years. Um, but it definitely felt like Missouri was like, okay, this game has gone horribly the last two times yeah. we've played. I think they've been so hyped up the first two years that, I mean, what well, we were there last year and the arena was absolutely nutty. Yeah. And I feel like you could tell it was almost rattling like Missouri's players, yeah. almost more than Kansas. Yeah. And it I, this uh, like they were probably like, wow, we've never seen this arena so full and it's so loud and it was just absolute craziness to where I think they actually looked nervous. Mm-hmm. So we've done two years of that where there's just so much hype. And I think this year it was like, all right, like we got that out of the way. Let's just go in there. This is a good team. Let's just do our best. Felt and more like a normal game. Definitely. Yeah. 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 It's still weird seeing Missouri play on that court again. Yeah. <laughs> It is weird. It, and I don't know. It just like several aspects of the rivalry are just different now. Yeah. Like the coaches being so complimentary of each other. Yeah. I mean, just these two coaches a, have no reason to hate each exactly. other really. And it's just kind of a new thing though. It's a little you know, bizarre. Like, yeah. The fan bases, it just feels like in general are okay with being a little bit more reasonable towards each other. And I know that's like blasphemous at times, but that's just the vibe I'm seeing out yeah. there. Yeah, maybe a little know. bit. It's interesting. Um, no Caleb Grill from Missouri against Kansas. And we find out also he will be out most likely until February. So, I mean, they could have been useful in this game and Missouri will miss him for sure. But we've got guys on the roster that's kind of like next man up. Yeah, I definitely felt like Sean East like had more usage in this game, mm-hmm. like and he played really well. I think he was Missouri's best player by far in this game, at least for most of the time. I thought we might see more um, John Tanjay. I don't even think he played in the game. Nope. Um, so maybe saw a little bit more Bates. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is, uh, at least definitely minutes-wise, this is a pretty significant loss. Yeah, and yeah, we're going to be halfway through conference play before he comes back, and you got to imagine there will be a little bit of a transition working him back in. Um, you mentioned Sean East, another 20 point game from game from him. Also six assists, but five turnovers. Um, I was looking, Sean East now has 20 plus points in six out of Missouri's 10 games so far. He had 20 or more points just once last year against SEMO. So he has definitely been the guy to step up and provide at least some of that offense that we were missing with those key departures. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely seemed like Sean East was capable of doing that at times last year and did, but just wasn't needed mm-hmm. as much to score. But this yeah. year is definitely going to need to score more. Um, his 15 three-point makes so far this year matches his total from last year. Wow. And he's also still shooting 60% from three. <laughs> um, I mean, Mizzou pretty much like neutralized Hunter Dickinson in this game. Except for on the boards, That's I would true. say. Yeah, I mean, he had 13.16 rebounds. Okay, that's true. He did have a double-double, but it did, man, it was quiet. The first half, he was quiet, for yeah. sure. And, um, yeah, Missouri was up 
27 to 21 with six minutes left in the first half. Kansas went on a little 20 to two run. Yeah. And I mean, they played well the whole second half too. Yeah. Like if they, I mean, if that run was even 10 to two instead of 20 to two, yeah. we might've had ourselves a pretty good game. Yeah. And so that was pretty unfortunate. There were moments in the second half where Kansas would miss a few shots in a row and it was like, okay, they're kind of leaving yeah. the door open a little bit, but Missouri offensively just couldn't get enough going. Yeah. Yep, that's, uh, I mean, we've talked about it pretty much every week is just the streakiness of the team, and mm-hmm. that just doesn't really surprise me at all that they had a, that massive run that just kind of turned the tide of the game. Kansas also out-rebounded Missouri 42-25. Uh, to 25. And it felt like, obviously, during that run, this was, like, painfully obvious, but just all game long, it kind of felt like Kansas just kept coming up with loose balls yeah. or, like, you know there's a scramble and of course it just at the last second goes out on missouri just felt like missouri couldn't catch a break at times yeah uh anthony robinson learned himself a life lesson in this game yeah he's playing well but he uh definitely uh didn't exert his full energy on a breakaway and that might have been one of the most enormous blocks i've seen in college basketball Uh, it was pretty nasty (laughs) yeah that's one of those plays that uh you hope he learns from and uh yeah. he's gonna book it down the court next yeah. time yeah um yeah, overall though i just man it just felt like missouri played well outside of that terrible stretch to end the first half yeah and uh, coach gates even after the game was like you know that that team that came out those first 10 minutes we that team can beat anybody yeah. basically and now we we've seen that several times now where there's stretches where this Missouri team looks really good. Yep. Yeah, if they can just smooth out the consistency, they don't even have to play like they did for the first 10 minutes the yep. whole game, but just they got to minimize the the massive runs where they just aren't scoring for five minutes at a time. Yeah. Um, so next up, Missouri plays in Kansas City at the T-Mobile Center. They play Seton Hall. Seton Hall, uh, second season for their head coach, Shaheen Holloway, you might remember, was the head coach of 15-seed St. Peter's that uh, upset two-seed Kentucky and made a run to the Sweet 16 uh, in the 2022 NCAA tournament. Uh, He's a Seton Hall alum, so it was just a match made in heaven for him to uh, pop off that year and then be welcomed back home for the head coaching job. Although, as we always say on the show, that can be a dangerous game to play. Going back to your alma mater. Uh, Seton Hall is 6-4 and four on the season. All six wins are versus uh, Ken Palm teams ranked 200 or worse. And all four losses are to top 100 Ken Palm teams, which Missouri right now is sitting at 78. Improved a little bit by only losing by 8 to Kansas. Um, so this is a just very winnable game for Missouri. Seton Hall is ranked 87th in Ken Palm. Um, they play a little bit of slower pace, not a great three point shooting team. Uh, they've got one guard, get his name right. Al Amir Dawes. He is a high volume shooter, but is very streaky. I was looking at their game against Rutgers last week. He was three for 15 from three. The rest of the team, 0 for five. It's going to go in eventually. That is true. So like. I feel okay with Missouri's matchup defensively here. Um, Seton Hall has a big named Jaden Bediaco. He is 
a rebounding machine, good shot blocker. I have a feeling this is going to be another one of those where Missouri gets out rebounded by close to 20, but that might be okay. You know, just let them have the rebounds and uh, there should be opportunities for open threes. Um, One of Seton Hall's uh, weaknesses on defense is leaving shooters open for three. Teams shoot a lot of threes against them, make them a pretty good percentage. I feel like there's an opportunity there for Missouri. Um, no Trey Jackson. No Trey that Jackson. Like, that was my first thought about Seton Hall <laughs> was, oh, Trey Jackson still there? And he's not. He nope. plays, he somehow upgraded to Michigan. He's from Michigan and uh, is playing there now. So what a path for him. What a path. He, now I could get mixed up here. Did we did Missouri just beat out Michigan State for him, or was he committed and flipped to Mizzou from Michigan State? I don't think he ever committed there. Okay. Yeah, I feel like yeah, Michigan State was like right there with Mizzou to land him. Man, that we sometimes talk was, about how it doesn't feel like we've been doing this show very long. It all just kind of runs together. But now thinking about Trey Jackson's recruitment. That was that in the, that was in the Conzo Martin, like every recruit is six seven era. Yes. Athletic six seven guys who can't dribble or shoot era. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we saw. I, I'll I'll never forget Trey Jackson having a massive block on one end, coming down and getting a dunk on the offensive end, and that was basically his only Mizzou highlight. <laughs> and basically, never played again. Transferred to Seton Hall. Now he's at Michigan. So uh, yeah, it's good to see Missouri playing back in Kansas City. I feel like Missouri should be able to go get this win. Um, I'm looking at Missouri's schedule, and obviously we still have that Jackson State black eye of a loss there. But that's been a little bit of a trend this year: is teams yeah. losing these like. Uh, I think it's a game. Yeah. John Rothstein calls it. Rothstein calls it a buy game because you're paying them to come play at your place. And yeah, Kansas lost to UNC Greensboro. There's, or not Kansas, uh, Arkansas lost to UNC Greensboro. And it seems like every other day I'm seeing somebody tweet about uh, somebody getting upset by a team that they paid to come to their arena. Mm -hmm. So good to know Missouri's not the only one there. Yeah. Now, how in the world does Seton Hall find themselves playing a neutral site game in Kansas City? Good question. Is I mean, this some kind of invitational or something? Uh, I don't know. I think that Missouri just set it up. Okay. I, we, I know that there's like contractually with uh, T-Mobile Center, we, Missouri has so many games that they've signed up to play there. So I think maybe it's just like, we need to play in Kansas City. Anybody want to... I mean, I'm Come I'm play. all for it. I mean, they've played. Um, they've had a weird non-conference season. Like mm-hmm. played on the road at Minnesota, on the road at Pittsburgh, neutral site against Seton Hall. Some weird stuff. But I feel I like, like it. I feel like the road experience did help them in the Kansas game. Yeah, I just felt, like I said earlier, it felt more like just a normal basketball game than, you know, this impossible task of going into that arena and playing well. Mm-hmm. May still be impossible to win, but. At least they, they played well for stretches. Um, then we will talk again before the Illinois game, so we don't need to go there quite yet. Uh, Missouri has an opportunity here to finish out the non-conference schedule with 10 wins. If they win these last three, which is probably better than I would have hoped for or would have expected 
when we previewed it, I think. Would have been better than expected if they lost to Jackson State. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Get used to hearing about it because <laughs> it's going to haunt we're us the little, rest of the season. a little scarred. It's going to haunt us the rest of the season. Um, okay, so we can switch gears to football now, I believe, and it's uh, transfer season is in full swing. Yeah. And it is fun, folks. It's fun. Missouri, I feel like Missouri has been in a pretty decent spot in the transfer portal, you know, other years before now, but this is just like a new level of feeling good being a Mizzou fan right now yeah. at this moment. I mean, it's like Missouri's a top 10 team, and I feel like it. Yeah. Like, I feel like Missouri is a top 10 program, period, right now is how I feel. Like, I feel like we can just compete with anybody, and I, I don't know how long this is going to last, Right. but I'm enjoying it right now. And it feels like if Missouri, if Coach Drink lands the right guys in this transfer portal season, like, finish with a bowl win... We could be looking at a preseason top ten AP poll team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, next we're preseason. Legitimately, could be looking at a string of a few impressive seasons here if some of these guys hit like they're supposed to. If the recruiting matches the play on the field, we're we're going to be looking pretty good here. Right. For the longest time, we were waiting for the play on the field to match the recruiting. So yeah. if we've if if they've struck that balance, it could get fun. Yeah. It has been fun already. Mm-hmm. It should continue. Um. Missouri got a commitment from Georgia State running back Marcus Carroll Jr. We talked about him last week because he was visiting, but went ahead and locked that up. And I don't know, is that running back position taken care of? Or I think there's a pretty good chance they'll still add somebody. Um, I know they've been linked to uh, Jaquavius Marks from Mississippi State. Um, I don't know if they will land him or not, but I do think that they're still maybe looking for a second. Uh, transfer running back potentially there were reports that they reached out to trevor Etienne, mm-hmm. who's transferring from florida yep um it's probably the biggest name in the portal for running backs that and probably rocket sanders probably yeah two biggest names which missouri's been in contact with both of those guys feels like maybe they would want to go somewhere that didn't just add a 1300 yard rusher to their yeah. team but yeah i probably wouldn't say missouri's the favorite for either Etienne or rocket sanders but it's you know they're trying uh but the guy from mississippi state you know he's not coming off of a huge season or anything solid player though that could be another addition that's complimentary to carol yeah. uh but i guess you take it away from here go in any order you want and i'll jump in with anybody that i have that you don't yeah we'll start with uh what I would say is probably the biggest priority now. I just immediately is the biggest priority. And a guy that probably surprised a lot of people, um, and that's Caden Green. And he's offensive line tackle or uh, offensive line guard from Oklahoma. And he only played one season at Oklahoma and was originally from Lee Summit North High School in Missouri. He surprised some people by entering the portal, you say? This was legitimately a shock to a lot of people, I think, including Oklahoma fans and Oklahoma media. Um, But, man, I don't even know where to start with Caden Green. He's 6'5", over 300 pounds. He's he's SEC ready right now. He played... Top top 100 player out of high school. Yep. And it came down to Oklahoma and Missouri 
out of high school. Uh, but Oklahoma kind of had that Lee Summit North pipeline going. Yeah. And uh, so it kind of felt like that was destined to happen from the start. But uh, Caden Green started seven games as a true freshman, which just almost never happens for yeah. high power five teams, like teams that are good. In the trenches. Yeah, that's... Exactly. So was a highly rated recruit and then immediately a hit in, in college. And I think most people had a feeling that was going to happen. So um, you might have heard of uh, Williams Winery. I've heard of him. You may have heard of Armand Mambu. Love him. Uh, a current Mizzou player and a future Mizzou player who also were teammates with Caden Green at the Summit North. So Join us. It feels like the pipeline may be switching from Oklahoma to Missouri for that high school, which would be incredible. Um, Are you comfortable saying Missouri is the favorite to land Caden Green out of the transfer portal? I think so. Um, it's not going to be no competition, though. The reason There are a couple of very specific reasons why. I don't know if I want to say they're the favorite yet. And that one of those reasons is Oregon mm. because their head coach is Dan Lanning, and he's got a lot of ties to Kansas City. He was born in Kansas City and uh, has kind of been a thorn in Missouri's side. Uh, he was at Georgia as a mm. coordinator, and I remember him like recruiting Logan Reichert and he didn't win that battle, but he was there all the way to the end. And so I think he's going to have some pull in Oregon. I mean, they can just I mean, name how much you want. Oregon can write the check. So they're going to be a factor. And then also this kind Dante of... Dante Manning. I was trying to think of yes, the Kansas City Oregon. player yes. that went to Oregon. And he's been really good there. Yeah. Um, and then one other very kind of unique thing about this situation is Caden uh, Green's father got into it with some Missouri fans last mm. year online whenever Caden Green committed to Oklahoma. And I don't know how much damage was done there, but and I don't know that I even really recall seeing anything specifically myself, but I remember that being a thing then. Mm. And so it's very possible that enough damage was done that Missouri might just not even be a factor here because of that. Maybe relationships have been mended. Maybe time has healed some wounds. And maybe Caden just really wants to play with some of his former teammates. And maybe we can all just ignore some idiotic fans and understand that they exist in all fan bases. But yeah, that's really probably what should happen. Gotta hope that's the case. Yeah. So I don't know, man. Like it when you just look at on the surface level, it feels like Missouri's got to be the destination. But there are some things that will some barriers there. So we'll well, let's all keep that in mind when a when a kid doesn't pick Mizzou, even if they're relative wants to pop off on social media don't engage because you know with the transfer portal we always have a second chance exactly let's not burn any bridges yeah i love this this like approach though to recruiting now where it's you know in in football especially it just takes so long to get high school recruits like acclimated to the college game especially in the sec and sometimes i I mean most of the time you're not going to hit on a Mm -hmm. on a recruit especially a three-star guy um so especially for the trenches, like just mm. go get guys you, that have college experience, get guys that are 20, 21 years old and are just plug and play. And so Caden Green is exactly that. And I got to think he is the number one priority for Missouri right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, what's better than like chirping at a recruits family member is just go witness the meltdown of the fan base when they leave because... 
the meltdown at Oklahoma in the Oklahoma fan base is, is pretty sweet right now. They've lost three guys right now that were a shock to yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah. I think this has been a shock to everybody, but especially Oklahoma. Yeah. And, man, if you follow recruiting at all, you know exactly who we're talking about. But, man, there's been some Oklahoma media people who have just legitimately embarrassed themselves and have basically... Uh, just confess that they're like harassing the families of these recruits and trying to, trying to get information. Yeah. And that it's just like, well, you wonder why they aren't responding to you. But, uh, now there was another, um, I'm just kind of going off on a tangent here, but there was another maybe 2023 player from Missouri that committed to Oklahoma. I'm losing his name. I don't know. I'm just like looking at, I'm just looking at like an implosion of Oklahoma and just thinking like, gimme, 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 gimme. Yeah. Well, there's um, some 2025 guys. Out of a war is who I was thinking of. Yes. Uh, defensive end. Yeah. yeah. And there's some 2025 guys that are from Lee Summit North that you would think are most likely going to Oklahoma, but I think things could be shifting there. Mm. So, so we'll keep an eye on that. That's a little ways away. But, um, so yeah, Caden Green is a name to keep an eye on. Uh, a couple of guys we talked about last week. Anias Peebles is a defensive tackle who's transferring from Duke. He visited Missouri this weekend, and then he named a top five of Mizzou, Louisville, Colorado, Virginia Tech, and SMU. I think he still has to visit Louisville and SMU uh, this week. So, But uh, that's a guy to keep an eye on. Third team all ACC, eight and a half tackles for loss last year. Yeah. Uh, one defensive tackle that we didn't talk about last week is Chris McClellan, and he is, uh, I think, just finished his sophomore year at Florida. He is visiting Missouri this weekend, and he was a big uh, four-star, borderline five-star recruit a couple of recruiting cycles ago, was kind of in that big recruiting push that Missouri did uh, with Luther Burden, and I think after he committed they had a bunch of big names coming in, and uh, Chris, McClellan, Chris McClellan was one of those guys, but obviously he ended up going to Florida. But Missouri's got a shot on the second time around here. 6'3", 320. Yeah. It's a big fella. We, um, we could use a little bit of a reload at defensive tackle. Yeah, I think that's absolutely what Missouri's looking to do. And again, I mean, almost all of these guys that we're going to talk about are... Offensive line, defensive line. Yeah. Just go get those grown men that have yeah. college experience and put them in the trenches. Um, there's uh, a couple other guys that have confirmed visits on Twitter. Uh, one of those guys is Remington Strickland, who is an offensive lineman from Texas A&M. Uh, Darius Smith, who is a linebacker from Georgia. And then Chidozi. One... Chidozi Wonkwo. Wonkwo, that's okay. We we talked about this on pre-show. Okay, <laughs> you, you saved me there. Chidozi Wonkwo is a defensive tackle from Houston. There's a couple of guys actually from Houston that Missouri's looking at, but I think Wonkwo has confirmed a visit. So those are kind of the highlights. There's definitely more names that Missouri's talking to. I'll give um, you one more. Okay. Memphis tackle McKylan Pounders uh, as a visit scheduled for early January. Early January. Yeah. Okay. Post-bowl game. Yeah. So the lots of names to keep an eye on. I don't know if we'll see any commitments for a little bit, but we could. Uh, there was a little bit. Well, what do you make of the timing there? Like, uh, we got the commitment from Marcus Carroll Jr. 
There hasn't been much else going on commitment-wise. Any concern? You just feel like we just got to strap in. It's going to be a little bit of a process. I think whenever you're in the running for some of the biggest names in the portal, guys just are going to take their visits. Like we talked about with Peebles. You know, he's got two more scheduled visits that we that we know for sure about. He might have more. You know, I think there's plenty of time uh, for these guys to just kind of go through the process and, and look around a little bit. Um, with Carroll, it just seemed like a no-brainer. Like Missouri was probably his best offer from the get-go, mm-hmm. and then just with the opportunity in front of him, it was like, all right, let's just lock this in. Yeah. So with some of these other guys, there there's 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 more visits involved, and there's a maybe the the depth chart might not be quite as wide open. Well, and that's I mean that's part of going after these this caliber of player is yeah. like you kind of have to just go for it, and maybe you have backup like Plan Bs lined up, but you know when you're going after this caliber of player, you it's a little bit high risk, high reward. You're going to wait for their decisions before you take another guy at their position. Yeah, and there was one high school recruit uh, that I was going to mention, and that is wide receiver Courtney Crutchfield from Arkansas. He was previously committed to Arkansas and is no longer committed. He's the number one player in Arkansas for 2024. He's got a crystal ball to Missouri from Steve Wiltfong. I've heard of him. The man himself. He usually knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. So once again, looks like Missouri is in a Excellent position to land one of the best players in Arkansas. Love doing that. Love it. Um, I don't know when he's announcing. He might have set a commitment date already, but it should be pretty soon because signing day is approaching. Um, Chris Paul, the Arkansas linebacker that transferred, uh, that Missouri reached out to, committed to Ole Miss. So he's off the board. This is really random. Go ahead. uh, Monroe Mills was that offensive lineman that I couldn't find any stats for but played well last year yeah uh this is so random but speaking of Ole Miss I saw a tweet from Lane Kiffin okay he was hanging out with Jaden Daniels in Knoxville which he said he was in Knoxville okay so doing a little recruiting in Tennessee maybe trying to poach some Tennessee players maybe Hanging out with the Heisman winner. I don't know. It was just the most random thing that I've ever seen. (laughs) Just openly like, yeah, I'm in Knoxville just recruiting all the players. (laughs) Um, Dang, that's a little transfer portal wrap up there. I just just love where Missouri's at with this. Yeah. It's so fun thinking about how many just like plug and play players there are. And I think there will be... Obviously, more there, there will be movement every week, but there's more names that haven't even entered the transfer portal yet. Right. There will probably be, and for Missouri's sake, too. I mean, Missouri yeah. really even ha- hasn't had very many guys announce they're transferring out just because of the bowl game situation. Mm-hmm. That There'll probably be a whole other wave after the bowl games are over. I saw just somebody tweeted uh, just a list of SEC schools and how many transfer or how many names are in the portal from their school so far. Um, A&M, like, towards the top everybody uh yeah but uh, missouri not at the very bottom but i think missouri only had six portal entries at that time and it seems like obviously there was a a lot of concern when the 2021 class sort of arrived on campus and then fairly quickly left (laughs) yeah and so some maybe legitimate worry there but obviously with the season that they just had that kind of erased all of that concern. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just think, I mean, we, I I feel like I'm broken record at this point, but 
the transfer portal is just going to completely revolutionize how how schools recruit and high school recruiting and it's just not those players just probably won't stick and when they know how easy it is for them to be recruited over or replaced every year i mean every player has to think is my spot viable right is this make sense for me still and so that's just creating so much movement and uh it's a little uh it's a little savage honestly but yeah and you just gotta at least to make myself feel better about the whole situation, I just have to hope and pray that Coach Drinkwitz and the staff are as open and transparent with the players as they can be and just be honest with them about where they see, how they see their role developing. And it seems like, I mean, Coach Drinkwitz was on with uh, maybe somebody at ESPN recently um, talking about how he didn't name the player, obviously, but he said, I had a player in my office this morning it was talking about reps and I was just kind of like, uh, we don't really talk about reps like that. We just, you know what your role is with this team and you keep doing what you're supposed to do. The reps will come. And I don't know, that just feels that feels like an okay way to go about it. But I don't know. I feel bad for these players sometimes that just get hung out to dry when they, I mean, it has, it happens on every team every year. Yeah. There's no way it can't. Yeah. Because how do you recruit someone for depth? Yeah. Hey, son, we would love you to be our third string cornerback. We would we would feel really good about if our starter went down, you coming into the game. Exactly. <laughs> Every player has to be told they're going to be the next big thing. Yeah. There's no other way that can be done. And maybe recruiting out of the portal, some players are going to maybe understand the reality of things a little bit better. Oh, 100%. And, you know, when you're recruiting grown men out of the portal, they're going to also have some of that maturity with just kind of understanding the business and they've been through it yeah some guys are actually looking for a spot where they can just play yeah i mean we've talked about high school recruits time and time again probably are not doing enough like studying of the death chart Mm. when they are and or they just think i'm gonna i'm gonna win the job death chart doesn't matter yeah it's because i mean like you have to right you gotta believe in yourself you gotta you gotta bet on yourself and so but then when they get there they maybe learn the reality of the situation. Yeah. So it's tough, man. It's it's tough. It's a fun time to be a Mizzou fan, though. Yeah. Uh, five-star point guard commits for the basketball team, tearing it up in the transfer portal, potentially, most likely, we hope. Yeah. We're about to play Ohio State in a bowl game. That's true. And there are uh, there have been a couple of developments mm-hmm. about that bowl game because there's it's been very much in the up in, up in the air, like who's going to play for Ohio State. They have all these players that are probably going to go pro, um, you know, some of the top, you know, a couple of their players will be first round picks. Yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. Is he going to play? We don't know about Marvin Harrison Jr. yet, but it's been confirmed that Amika Abuka is playing. He's another like first round wide receiver mm-hmm. that they have that this will be his last game in, at Ohio State. Uh, Denzel Burke, a cornerback, um, said he is playing and then also added this quote, I'm pretty sure everyone is playing. Yeah. Okay. So, well, like already then no that's excuses a huge swing from a week ago yeah. when it seemed like everybody was not playing yeah and maybe i don't know maybe the ohio state fan base and coaching staff are kind of like what are we doing here if none of these guys are going like we've right. got to maybe try to spin up some uh i don't know some kind of start enthusiasm narrative about this game yeah because it was <laughs> hey, like coach shrink said all you guys suck yeah <laughs> seriously <laughs> yeah just uh yeah, play some clips uh, or go on Twitter and look at Mizzou fans like acting like this game is going to be a layup for some <laughs> reason. 
yep. they still are going to be without their starting quarterback. Yeah. So, I don't know. That gives... That that's gi- something. I think that's... We'll, we'll see how the line changes, because it went from Ohio State minus six or something to now Mizzou favored by two and a half. Maybe with this news, it'll swing back the other way. Yeah, I don't know what it's at now. But... I think we'll do our proper preview of Ohio State next week, most likely, uh, assuming we have a little bit more clarity on who who else is going to play. Missouri is still a two-and-a-half-point favorite as of now. Okay. We'll check back next week. Um, no, no games to pick this week? Anything else to talk about? Probably. We haven't had any reason to bring producer Cameron in. We have all our cameras set up, <laughs> like the best camera setup we've had so far with the two-camera deal. And there's nothing for you to do. No. Maybe next time. You can play us the cinnamon roll drop. Yeah, let me find it. I'm a connoisseur of cinnamon rolls. There's coach. <laughs> I'm a connoisseur of cinnamon rolls. There we go. Oh, yeah. Me too, coach. All right. Is that going to be it for this week? That's it. Okay. Good luck in the portal, everybody. Uh, special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Groffalo, Brandon Hanks, Matthew Tilly, Louis Hernandez, and Joshua Jacobson. Thank you. Gentlemen, thank you. We love you. You can find this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. You can find our t shirts and stickers on our online shop, Missouri Sports Pod.bigcartel.com. Thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next week after recruiting wins.